This beautiful choir. Thank you very much. Would you uh, take a, a Bible and turn back with me to Acts chapter 16, that passage that Mike read for us. Uh, if you can find a Bible near you, Acts 16, um, verses 6 through, through 10 is, is really our text. Um, after, after God the Father raised Jesus up from the dead, one of the last things he said before he left the earth, before he ascended and went back to the Father, were these words. He told his disciples, I am sending you what my Father has promised, but stay in, in the city in Jerusalem they were in until you have been clothed with power from on high. Power from on high. That, that has a nice, it has a sort of a winsome ring to it, doesn't it? Power from on high. Even if we didn't comprehend exactly what Jesus meant as he was saying it, just to hear him say, power from on high is coming to you. That is an attractive, a positive notion. Because things happen to us in life that we don't know how to handle. And we need help beyond ourselves to deal with those things as they come. Did you hear this week, about the the truck, this is a true story, uh, the, the semi-truck hauling pumpkins that caught on fire on the interstate. It was, it was out west, out on I-5, somewhere near L.A. And, and it, the picture showed the side of the trailer was blown out and there were pumpkins spilled all over the road. One of the busiest freeways in the world blocked by burning pumpkins. With a thousand angry drivers, you know, behind you, if you are the driver of that truck, man, I mean, that gives new meaning to pumpkin spice, doesn't it? Uh, or pumpkin crisp, maybe, if, if you've ever had that. I didn't even know pumpkins were flammable. Apparently, they are. So if you were that truck driver, you're in a situation like that, you weren't expecting it, and it's a great big mess, what on earth do you do? You ask God for power from on high. Um, and we have all been there, every one of us. I don't mean with a truckload of <laughs> burning pumpkins, but I mean, we've all been in some big mess of a situation. Um, someone is upset with us. Maybe a lot of people are upset with us. Maybe it was our fault. Maybe not. Either way, about all we can do is ask God for help. Ask God for power from on high that was promised. And, and even though we don't deserve it, Sooner or later, and in one way or another, God does help us. Uh, he either turns the situation around for us, or he gives us the ability and the wisdom beyond our own to handle it, to bear it, to walk through it. Uh, we may not understand everything about what happened to us and why, but we know God has helped us. And so we carry on. Now, we can, though, understand Jesus' idea of power from on high because he explains it just after this. Uh, in, in Acts 1, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the promise of God the Father that Jesus said he's going to send to us is the Spirit of God himself. And why does 
God promise? And, and why does Jesus send the Spirit? Because the Spirit comes to take over the role of Jesus in the world. And especially in the lives of those who follow Christ. The Spirit came to take Jesus' place here in the world. That's why Jesus told his disciples in John 16 that it is for our benefit that he returns to God the Father, you see. What what Jesus could do for just a few disciples in his humanity, the Holy Spirit could do for all. The incarnate Jesus could empower just a few disciples, but God's Spirit can empower all Christ followers. Jesus was was deeply involved in the lives of just a few. The Spirit is involved in all our lives. Jesus gave direction. Jesus gave guidance to just a few people. The Holy Spirit directs and guides all. Jesus could only be at one place at a time. God's Spirit can be everywhere. The Holy Spirit carries none of the human limitations that Jesus bore, which means he is unlimited in his scope. God's spirit can comfort those who suffer today in Gaza and Israel and in Russia and in Ukraine at the very same time that he's speaking to our teens in Bowling Green. At the same time, he's guiding his followers in Washington, D.C. and in Nevada and in Maine and in China. At the same time, he was receiving our worship here. At the same time, he's helping that pumpkin truck driver on the interstate in California. At the same time, he does a million other things for millions of other people. Jesus didn't want his disciples to grieve for either him or for themselves over his departure. Because in his leaving earth and going back to the Father... Everybody would benefit. Everybody would benefit in the coming of God's spirit. And we see an example of that in our text here. How God's spirit led the apostle Paul to the people who needed him the most. The people who were prepared were ready for God's word and God's presence to be delivered to them. In fact, I think this passage is If not the, it is one of the most explicit examples we have in the Bible of of the ministry, the, the, the active leadership of God's spirit. Paul was was getting ready. He was beginning his second mission trip. He'd already gone on one as a shorter one. This one's tending to be a longer one. Early in this chapter, we're told how he and Silas They traveled to Derby, to Lystra. Um, There they are joined by Timothy. And they experienced God's blessing of the work that they were doing. And so they they continue on, making plans for their days to come. And no doubt their plans seemed good and seemed reasonable to them. But the plans that they had made were not altogether God's plans. Paul had probably just finished visiting the churches in Galatia. And uh, given he had this deep desire to to expand into more and more Gentile territory, he likely wanted to go straight west toward Colossae and toward Ephesus. But we're told there in verse 6 that the Holy Spirit prevented 
his group from going in that direction into the, the province of Asia. That was the first, I don't know what you want to call it, you call it a, a, a pushback, a redirection, a nudge from the Spirit. That was the first one, but it's not the last one. There's a whole string of them here, you see. God says, no, not the province of Asia. Don't go west. So they turn and, and they head north. And they travel north. But when they get to the border of Bithynia, there comes another nudge from the Spirit. Don't preach in Bithynia. So then they turn and they travel along the coast. And they finally arrive at this northwestern port city, Troas, where Luke joins the group. Which we presume because in this passage we get the transition of perspective from third person to first person. Do you notice that? The book of Acts, all the book of Acts up to here is all about they. They did this, Paul did this, they, 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 they. In verse 10, there the perspective changes to we. Because now Luke, the author of Luke and Acts, includes himself. So did God direct Paul just so Luke could join the group? You know, maybe. We don't know. But we do learn another reason through the Spirit's next Nudge. Um, now, we are not told how the Spirit n- nudged them, spoke to them the previous times. I mean, we can only guess. Uh, it could have been by the word of some prophet. It could have been a vision, maybe through this deep, unmistakable sense of conviction. You know how the Spirit can do that. Maybe some strange circumstance. Maybe there's a bridge out. You know, I, I don't know. Certainly, if God can use a raging storm and a big fish to direct Jonah, or a flood to direct Noah, or a talking donkey to direct Balaam, what can't he use, right? We don't know how the Spirit directed Paul in those two times we've mentioned so far. But here we are told explicitly that in Troas, Paul has a vision. He has a vision of a man from Macedonia, the region to their west, across the Aegean Sea. A Macedonian guy standing, begging Paul, verse 9 there says, to come over to Macedonia and help. So after all of those unknowns, and maybe even disappointments, disillusionments of the previous days and weeks, God now reveals precisely the place where they were to go to speak of Jesus. So they made their preparations. They caught a ship. They left immediately from Macedonia. And they landed at the coastal city of Philippi. And there Paul proclaimed the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the first time it was preached on European soil. And, of course, the rest is history. That was all brought about. By the leading of God's spirit in Paul's life. Now, if, if you and I were honest, we might admit that we find the way God's spirit does things rather frustrating at times. Because he doesn't typically tell us all at once everything that's going to happen, does he? He doesn't typically say, you go here, and then here, and then there, and then over there, and then you're coming to heaven with me. (laughs) 
He doesn't say, do this and then this and then this and then afterward do that. No, almost always, all he gives us is the next step. He gives us a nudge in the right direction. And then when we obey that, at the right time, he gives us another nudge. And on and on it goes. But sooner or later, as we follow his usually gentle nudges, we find ourselves in a place where we see God do something amazing. But here's the thing about God's spirit's nudges. <laughs> we have to be able to hear them in order to recognize them for what they are. And that is hard to do when our lives are full of chaos and noise. When we are buzzing here and there and doing this or that or the other or something else. In order to be in the center of God's will, we have to find a way to calm the chaos in order to listen to God's spirit's directions. Now, it's true, of course, that on occasion, God does act in ways that are big and are bold and, and spectacular, ways that are hard to miss. The exodus, the flood, uh, the conquest of Canaan, the resurrection, the return of Jesus, things like that come to mind. The, the things that are big, those things are hard to miss. But far, far more often, God speaks and works in quiet ways that we can totally miss if we're caught up in crazy schedules and unrealistic, unhealthy expectations of ourselves or of others. If Noah had always been on Facebook, for example, he may have never heard God's voice sparing him and his family. If Abraham had had his headphones in on his walk up Mount Moriah, he may have really wound up sacrificing his son Isaac. What if Moses was so into YouTube that he missed God's plans for the exodus? Or if Joshua was watching a football game and wasn't really paying attention to where God told him to take Israel. So instead of taking him to the promised land, he took him to Disneyland, you know, or to Maryland. <laughs> Certainly there are times when the spirit works in very blatant, very unmissable ways. But most of the time, most of the time, he guides us far more subtly, quietly. And we have to be listening if we expect to get it right. You know, maybe God doesn't seem to be very active in our culture in these days because maybe he can't find anyone that'll hear him talking to them. Maybe there's a lot more God would like to do if he could just break through the noise so his spirit could say, hey, don't go there. Hey, don't preach there. And maybe it's true for us. God's been trying to guide us trying to nudge us. But maybe our lives are just too crowded. Our schedules are too packed. Our work is just too consuming. Or our leisure is too important to us for him to even get a hearing. 
Too often, when life gets busy, it's our time with God that gets pushed out. So is it any wonder, really, that we have trouble hearing him? Is it any wonder that we find ourselves in messes that God may well have prevented if we'd but listened for his guidance? If we'd taken just a little bit of time? Even Jesus had to make listening to his father intentional, you know? Uh, Over and over, we read about Jesus getting away from, from this totally chaotic schedule, it seems to us. People around him all the time, all the time, all the time. He got away from him in order to find a quiet place to hear from God. Mark 1.36, early in the morning, Jesus got up and went off to a solitary place to pray. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place, Luke 4.42. Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6.14, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9.18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he began to teach them how to pray. Luke 9.28, he took Peter, John, and James with him, went up on the mountain to pray. Luke 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, his disciples came and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives to pray. Luke 22, 39. That's just some of the places we're told that Jesus went away to listen to his father. It was a vital pattern in his life. One he wanted to demonstrate for his disciples because he knows that's how we stay in God's will. And that's why God sent his spirit to us to lead us as we will listen to him. As we'll make that space in our lives, then that's when the Spirit can speak. The fact is, in his gift of his Spirit, God's given us all we need to stay in the center of his will. He wants to speak to us. He wants to move us. He wants to guide us. He wants to nudge us to where he would like us to go. But we have got to calm the chaos in order to hear him. We have to calm the chaos in order to listen because typically he will not make himself heard over the noise of our lives. He doesn't do that. God doesn't shout. That's not his way. And let me say, it's not our place to tell him how he needs to speak to us. We try to do that sometimes. But that is his call to make. That is not our call to make. You know, it it has been at times a challenge to work with some of our African refugee churches. Um, There's so many language differences. There's cultural differences and all that. Some, Some of them just don't get the importance of the legal, financial stuff that you have to deal with in the United States. Um. And, 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 and they're, they're just not often willing to, to engage it, to be a part of it. At one meeting, one of their pastors, who was rather frustrated, told Superintendent Lane, he looked at him and he said, you need to start thinking more like an African. And John replied, but you're not in Africa. You're not in Africa. You're in America. 
And the rules of American society are what apply here, not the rules of African society. Which means, if you want to succeed here, it's you who has to start thinking like an American. At least in those ways. If we want God's guidance, if we want God's wisdom to influence our lives, to keep us on his track in life's big and small things. If we want his power from on high to bless and direct our lives, then we've got to put ourselves in positions to listen. To hear him according to the way he chooses to speak and, and to guide. And if he is a God who leads in subtle, personal ways, and he is, then we've got to calm the chaos to catch the messages. I wonder if this is a need in your life today. Uh, to find some way to, to calm the chaos, to simplify the schedule, to quiet the, the, the craziness so that you can more carefully and thoroughly hear the Spirit's voice and guidance. There's no shame in admitting that life has just gotten too busy and that we need to figure out how to make more margin. There's no shame in, in admitting that and, and, and even that we need help to accomplish it. There's no shame in it. What is a shame is when we don't admit it and we don't do anything about it and so we keep on missing the Spirit's voice and the Spirit's leading. That's a shame. Because he has so much he'd like to do with every one of us. So, so is this the time? Uh, has, has the time come to get serious about calming the chaos and reshuffling the schedule in order to hear the nudges of the Spirit of God? If, if, if you know this is something that you need to do, would you make that commitment to the Lord today? Would you, would you tell him, yeah, Lord, you're talking to me. I know you're talking to me. If, if you want to make it in more of a public way, uh, if you'd like somebody just to pray for you in doing that, you're, you're always welcome, you know, to come and kneel here. And, and we'll just pray for you to, to listen to God's voice to live by the leading of the Spirit, to receive all of the power from on high that God promised and that Jesus has sent. That is essential to, to living the victorious Christian life. So will you calm the chaos so that you can receive the gift? Lord, it is like the, the proverb says, in our hearts we plan our course, but you determine our steps. Um, we do want you to lead our lives, but we realize that we have to be able and willing to, to listen. So right here and, and right now, Holy Spirit, in this quiet moment, would you point out anything in our lives that's blocking our ability to hear you? So that we can, just like Paul was and Silas, Timothy... Your apostles, so we can be led by your spirit into those places and situations that you have for us, so that we can live the life that you want us to live, doing the things that you call us to do, going to those places 
where you would lead us and saying those things that you'd give us to say. Lord, thank you for the power from on high that is your spirit and the desires, he desires all of us to follow Jesus in just this way with all of our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. We're gonna sing a couple verses of a, a song to close. If you'd like to come and just spend some time here with the Lord and say to him, Lord, I know this is, I, I need to do this. I need to do this. Why don't you come on while we sing?